The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. Someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Amen. Um, thanks, y'all, for welcoming me back. For fo- folks that I have not met, my name is Rihanna. Um, oh, the Reverend Rihanna Shaw Robinson. We can, like, <laughs> put some other stuff on it. Um, I did work pretty hard to get the extra letters and the collar. Um, I'm a mom of four. I am a Bay Area native. What? Um, East Bay. What, what? Where it's warm. Uh, my husband is a San Francisco native, also weird, but it always feels like such a gift uh, to be here with y'all. Um, very recently, about a year ago, I was the associate pastor of formation at Oakland City Church, so there have always been some connections um, to this community. So thanks for welcoming me back. I like to come here. Y'all have always been so incredibly gracious and hospitable. Um, but I do want to say, I think it's a little weird that all of the pastors are gone. And they're just like, hey, Rihanna, come in and preach about money. (laughs) But here's what I would like to offer to y'all. I actually did an entire two-day conference at OCC all about money. So instead of today's sermon, we're going to lean into some of those practices. I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell them how much you make, how much you tithe, where you put your significant investments. Oh, you're not going to, are you? Like, we want to talk about money, but we don't really want to talk about money. It's awkward. It's kind of hard. We hold a lot of shame or fear or whatever when it comes to money. But let me tell you, the folks at OCC actually did do that. We got in the small groups. 
and we shared our money stories. And there were places of freedom and joy and fear. And then we got to this beautiful place of dreaming because we were honest about where we were and where we were hoping to go. So may you feel inspired. May you feel bold. May you feel uh, the trust that you can share your, sh- your story without external shame. I know we all have our own stuff, without external judgment. May that be one of the calls to us in this season. So friends, let us, let's pray. Most holy God, I do pray that the words of my mouth, that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. As always, Lord, we come with expectation that you will speak the word that we all need to hear in the language of our hearts. And we just pray all of this in the name of Jesus. So let's dig into the text, a scripture about money. Jesus loves talking about money, yes? Grumble, grumble, grumble. (laughs) Like he really does. He talks a lot about money. Money is a part of our life. It's a part of our society. It's a part of the ways that we do things. And so what happens if we just are willing to talk about it more? And so this scripture passage that we're reading today is about wealth, and it's about money, and it's about generosity. But I actually think that it offers us something even deeper when we look at this interaction between Jesus and the rich young ruler. And so today, the reflection that I want to invite us all to go on is to look at the questions that the rich young ruler offers to Jesus to give us our own insight about the longings of our hearts. So first, let's just get to know the characters of the story. Um, We don't know his title. We don't know his name. In the Gospel of Matthew, it just says someone. Do y'all notice that? Someone. The other Gospels round it out in this really beautiful way. The Gospel of Luke explicitly said he was a ruler. And let's put that into context of what that meant in that time. Um, The man who approached Jesus was probably pretty high up there in the social and economic hierarchy. That is the reality when they say ruler. He was just in charge-ish. I'm not going to say fully in charge because they are still under the Roman Empire. But this is a hierarchy that was likely modeled after the Roman Empire, right? We know how those hierarchies work. There are a couple people at the top. There are a lot of people at the bottom. And everybody's trying to get as close to the top as they possibly can, knowing actually that there's a hard line that many of us will never, ever be able to jump over. And so there are a few people who are ruling in this system with a bunch of people supporting them and the systems to keep some people up here and to keep some people down there. Not familiar at all. This is just a biblical context of hierarchy where some people are at the top, some people are at the bottom. 
What I found interesting as I did a little more study about that context is there wasn't actually much of a middle class. Again, not familiar at all. There were people at the top, there were the people who supported them, and then there was this group of people called the expendables. And those were the beggars, and the bandits, and the prostitutes, expendable. Those folks who were actually so poor that they had to take desperate measures just to survive, those were the throwaway people. Again, our context, unfortunately, is not too different. Did y'all know that um, since 2020, 573 people have joined the Billionaires Club? Billionaire, with a B. Did y'all know that? No, because clearly nobody, anybody in this room? <laughs> if you join that club, I just need you to raise your hand right now <laughs> for the Lord. And who clapped? <laughs> hey, we're going to talk later. I see you. But the thing that's so interesting about these new billionaires, you know, because we've been in a pandemic, we've been in an economic crisis. Let's, let's think about how these folks made their money. Gas, medicine, housing. And on the other side of that coin, because of increased gas prices and food prices and housing prices, Oxfam projects that 20, 263 million people will make their way into extreme poverty. Whole lot of people are getting poorer as many people are getting richer. And I would suggest that maybe a lot more people are becoming expendable for the sake of those at the top. So I wanted to be mad at the rich Ranguler. I wanted to judge him and be like, ha, Jesus is going to stick it to you because that's what Jesus does to the rich people. That's where I went because that's how we, we bring all of our stuff to scripture. And then I read the gospel of Mark that did something different to the way that I understood this person who sought out Jesus. The Gospel of Mark says that a man ran up to Jesus and knelt at his feet. And as we all learned in the movie The Princess Diary, royalty don't run. <laughs> Fancy people, rich people don't run because it is beneath you. Rich people definitely are not supposed to be kneeling in the dirt looking for guidance and wisdom from a traveling teacher, preacher, whose dad was a carpenter. Rich people are not supposed to be associating with these folks like Jesus who were from the wrong side of the tracks with a questionable birth story. I feel like this rich young ruler was saying, oh, the world might say you're expendable, Jesus but I need something from you. There's something that you have to teach me. And so then I had some compassion for this rich, young ruler falling before Jesus. So let's, let's ask our first question. What is the first question that he asks? 
Y'all, we're going to do some call and response, and I believe that you listen to the scripture, but I'll just tell you anyway. But we will. We're going to keep going back and forth. We're doing this together, right? Y'all know the rules. We're doing it together. And so the question is, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And again, we bring what we bring to Scripture. And I was like, another gotcha question for Jesus? Because don't a lot of people do that? Well, Jesus, do you know the rules? <laughs> because I'm sure that I do. But something else happened as I thought about this question being asked by somebody who ran to Jesus, who maybe is still on their knees asking Jesus, what, what can I do? In that question, what I heard was a longing. Do you hear it? I have all the things. I'm at the top of the ladder. I got a whole lot of money. A lot of people say that I should be excited and happy and satisfied, but can you, can you tell me what I can do to get to this deeper place? He knew that money and power weren't enough to satisfy his soul. And maybe he didn't know it fully in his mind. We always don't know those concepts, but maybe he knew it in his soul, that his soul was crying out to Jesus saying, I need something else. I need something more. I am not satisfied with what I have. I think also we can look at our current situation do you know that in 2021, guess how many people quit their jobs? Has anybody heard about the great resignation? Anybody in here quit their jobs in 2021? I did, actually. I did mine in 2021. 50 million people quit their jobs. That's about 4 million people a month. And I would imagine for those folks, they started to ask the question that this rich young ruler is asking as he is kneeling at the, at the feet of Jesus saying, for what will it profit to gain the whole world and lose my soul? Folks keep asking that question, or maybe our souls ask that question, or maybe we just get so tired, we start to recognize how much we've lost in the pursuit of success. So despite the truly ancient belief that we don't hold anymore, that money equates to more blessings, why are you guys laughing? Do y'all believe that? <laughs> despite that belief, despite everything telling the rich young ruler, you are blessed because you have this money. I'm sure you are self-made. You've pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Yay, you. The ruler knew that his money and his status and his power were actually not the keys that he needed to get eternal life. Eternal life, what does that even mean? Participation in the kingdom of God, maybe. And this is where I get excited about Scripture because Jesus says a lot about the kingdom of God. And I think there are these moments where people, where we ask Jesus a question, and we're like, oh, actually, no, that's not the answer that I wanted. But if we looked just a little bit deeper, he says, what do I have to have eternal life, to have access to the kingdom of God? And what does Jesus say about the kingdom of God? It's the place where the poor hear the good news, where the captives are released, the kingdom of God where the oppressed are set free, 
The kingdom of God where no one is considered expendable. The kingdom of God that Mary proclaimed while Jesus was still in her womb. Where she says the kingdom of God is where um, the Messiah will bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. Where the hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty. Did the rich young ruler really know what he was asking for? When he said, Jesus, I want eternal life. I want this thing. And in the question, he should have known that means I'm going to have to give up everything. Because you said it over and over and over. And I wonder if he had done a little bit of study he wouldn't have been quite as surprised with Jesus' final request of him. The kingdom of God is when there are no people that are expendable, where everybody actually is on the same level because we're all kneeling in front of Jesus, because we are standing together praying and worshiping, and sometimes we think that's what we want. Let's just be honest. It sounds real nice. Everybody together, all the time, singing, praising, no more hierarchy. It sounds nice. Never mind. Y'all don't think it sounds nice. There was not even a nod. Everybody just got super quiet. Are we ready for that kingdom of God? Especially for those that it will cost us something. And so this is the moment where Jesus... Um, Jesus answers questions. Jesus doesn't always give a specific answer to a question. We know that, right? Sometimes he offers a parable and he says, follow the commandments. There you go. You want to get in the kingdom of God? Follow the commandments. Scene. Richard, thank you very much, Jesus. But what does he do instead? He goes, hold on one second. Which ones though? <laughs> Can I say, I think which ones is a great question. Sometimes it's okay to ask for clarity and specificity. There are a lot of commandments in Scripture. And he just was like, okay, I, I think I'm on the right path, but can we get more specific so I can see if I'm kind of like meshing up? And I also think that maybe which one is a process of discernment? If you didn't know, not all calls are your call. And sometimes you do need to ask Jesus the question, like, which one? Can you show me where my lane is? Can you show me what my call is? Can you show me what I'm supposed to offer? Get specific. And Jesus is like, okay, I will get specific with you. You ask, I will, I will tell you what the answer. Jesus says, don't murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of these commandments are focused on community. Did you hear? Did you notice that? It's focused on being in right relationship with other people. And so Jesus says, be in right relationship with other people. There you go. I pause again. I pause a lot in scripture because I have questions and I wonder about things. For anybody else, does that feel like the bare minimum of faith? Like, don't be awful. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, don't murder. Okay, cool. Wasn't actually on my list of things to do. <laughs> Boom, not murdered. Don't steal. Also, not on my list. And so there are these some ways that Jesus says, actually, here, bare minimum, 
be in right relationship with your siblings doing the least. What would happen if everybody just did the bare minimum? Don't steal. Don't murder. Be kind to your parents, even though they're complicated. And there's another part that says be kind to your children too, but anyway, be kind to your parents. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. What would start to happen if that was just the way that we moved through the world? And what I love is the rich young rulers like, yeah, 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 actually, tick, 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 haven't murdered, haven't stolen. Mm, we might want to check in on the definition of how we think about stealing for those who gain a lot of wealth. But anyway, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Some of us want to stop there, right? We want a cookie for doing the least. I wonder if there was a moment he wanted Jesus to be like, good job, buddy. Come on, let's go. You did the bare minimum. Do we want a cookie for the bare minimum? I do sometimes. I imagine that he wanted from Jesus a little bit of an affirmation, like, good job, you, you not killing people. <laughs> Didn't cheat on your partner. Come on in. But here's the thing, I'm judging. I'm judging the person Jesus didn't. And the rich young ruler actually knew in his heart that the bare minimum was not enough. Oof. And then we get to the final question that he asked Jesus. I got a lot of money. I got some power. I have treated people generally well. And something is still missing in my soul. Why do I still lack? This one hurts a little bit. Have you ever had that moment where you look around and you're just like, everything's pretty good. Like, got a good job, got a bonus, got some benefits. My kids are okay. My partner's okay. Like, I'm feeling okay. I'm going to church regularly and don't kill people, don't steal. I'm pretty nice to my parents. And there's still something that just is not quite settled in your soul. And sometimes it's hard to put your fingers like, what is this? I, sh I should be happy. Have we ever had those moments? I should be happy. I should be satisfied. But I'm not. Oof. But I'm not. The longing is so deep in this rich young ruler. The desperation is so real as he looks at his life and he recognizes how much more is possible, how much deeper his experience of faith could be. And maybe, maybe we need to ask that question of ourselves and of Jesus and of each other. Why am I still lacking? It doesn't feel like he's greedy. It doesn't feel like he's greedy. It doesn't feel like he's just like, can I have some more? It doesn't feel like he's like just dissatisfied, a grumpy, greedy person. It doesn't even feel like he's not grateful for the things that he has. I'm giving a lot of gener generosity and grace 
to the rich young ruler. Because uh, we like to be like, oh, bad, I would never do that. And unless all of y'all are going to be writing big checks at the end of this service, let us give him and us some grace. I think that the question the ruler asks is not a question of his mind, it's a question of his soul. His soul recognizing that there's something else, that maybe there's a better way, that there is something deeper, and maybe that is the heart of all of our longing. The Gospel of Mark, again, we're jumping around, and this is where the tears start to come. He asked this question. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus doesn't fuss at him. Jesus doesn't even yell at him, even though he's about to say something. The Gospel of Mark says, Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he loved him. Have y'all had those moments? where you show up to Jesus with some really big questions and some deep longing, and you know that you're doing your best, but those moments where you're just like, oh, my best isn't good enough, and Jesus says, hey, I love you. I see you. I know that you want more, and actually because you asked, I want to offer it to you. I think there is something beautiful about Jesus even standing with someone as they're trying to work it out. Okay, I want some eternal life. Oh, can you get more specific? Because like, I think I'm almost there. Okay, oh, didn't quite make it, Jesus. Can we keep going? Keep going with me. Keep asking Jesus the questions that will take your faith deeper. And Jesus answers this question specifically again. I wonder in this moment, he's like, parable time. Can we please have a parable? Just like give something else. And what he says is, all right, you want to go deeper? Go and sell everything and give the money to the poor. I'm sorry, Thomas. Jesus does not say give the money to the church. I just want to just like, I feel like I need to say that. Because there are some prosperity gospel preachers who might say, actually, no, 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 just give it to us and we <laughs> will do the redistribution. Just what the Bible says. It's just what the Bible says. It says, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Jesus has said this actually a bunch of different times. This is not a new message from Jesus. This is not a new way that Jesus says, let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven. The, the poor are the ones that I keep talking about. They're the hungry, the oppressed, the captives. And so maybe in the selling, you actually just need to get a little bit closer to them. Maybe that was a part of what Jesus was saying. No, no, I want you to sell your stuff and I want you to take stacks of money and I want you to go find people that you would never ever be in relationship with. And I want you to sit down with them. And I want you to talk to them for a little bit. And I want you to pay for dinner. And then I want you to pay their rent. And then I want you to pay for their car. And then I want you to celebrate with them. And I want you to live with them. And I want you to be with them because now they have the freedom to think and dream and be and breathe. Go get close to them is what I feel like Jesus might be saying. 
I am grateful that the call to worship talked about the Jubilee year. We often talk about the one in Leviticus every 50 years, right? Which we actually don't ever see in Scripture that the Jews followed through on that. I just want to say we have yet to see the like, and then, because I feel like you would write that down. Don't y'all feel like you would write down if you did a Jubilee year? We would. Oh, but it's so hard. It's so very hard. Deuteronomy makes it even more frequent. Not every 50 years, every seven years, you are meant to cancel your debts. And if you read all of the passage in Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 11, it's all about generosity. It's just like, no, just give to your neighbors. Be generous. Don't be mad when you cancel people's debts. Like, be generous because God is available. Don't be mad when your slaves, because they were, want to leave. Guess what? They gave you six years of free work. Be excited. Bless them as they go. Give them something. Support them. Let them live into something new. And it's all about a spirit of generosity. And again, maybe it's all about getting close to folks. That you free some folks and you get to listen to their stories. That people stop. You stop having transactional relationships. What did I give you and what will you give me back? And instead you get to have a conversation that says, all right, cool. Do you, do you want to talk about something else now instead of our debts? Can I get to know you in a different way? Can you get to know me in a different way? And, and Deuteronomy says, and there will be enough. There will be enough. I feel like this is where um, Jesus actually gets to the heart of the request of the rich young ruler, who I hear as being actually incredibly lonely in his position, of recognizing that he has all that he should and it's not enough. He is still lacking. That there are these barriers between him and Jesus, maybe because there are barriers between him and his neighbor. What do we do with this? <laughs> oh, what we do with this, per the instructions I was given, everyone at the end of service, please take out your checkbooks or you can use a QR code and you can give all of your money away. No, they didn't tell me to say that. They didn't, they, he really didn't say that. He didn't tell me to say that at all. The rich young ruler walks away sad because he has many possessions. We're going to have to sit there for a minute. The rich young ruler goes away sad because he has many possessions. Do you know what it actually doesn't say? It doesn't say he didn't do it. It doesn't say that he didn't leave and go, okay, Jesus, well, that, dang, this is, this is a bummer. This is like going to be hard to do. Maybe he did. Can we sit with the reality that perhaps sometimes when we have many possessions, it makes us sad? Because it is separating us from the real, right relationships that God is calling us into. The ending of this passage, this whole encounter which stirs my heart, does it make you feel some kind of way? Did you want to judge him in the beginning? 
Were y'all ready to judge him? Do you feel a little more grace and compassion for him? Jesus did. It reminds me of this song uh, that we used to sing when I was young. Has anybody know, Fill My Cup, Lord? No. Y'all got to go to black church. It's great. You sing different songs there. Um, and the song, you do, it's great. It's nice. Go to different types of churches. Um, the song goes, Fill My Cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. I lift it up. And I feel like the rich young ruler went to Jesus going, my soul is thirsty. I know that you are the one that are going to, you're going to give me what I need. So here's my cup. And Jesus is like super full. It actually cannot hold all of the abundant blessings that I want to give to you. Y'all, how often are we going to Jesus feeling really empty in ourselves with a very full cup? And Jesus says, if you want what I have to offer, which is more than you could think or ask, I'm going to need you to pour some things out first. I'm going to need you to make some space because what I have to offer is bigger and better and more beautiful. I don't know. What I have to offer is eternal life. And how often are we making that choice between eternal life and then walking away sad because we have many possessions. That we are not willing to actually receive and make space for what Jesus is offering to us. Because we've gotten so comfortable holding things close, knowing our place in the hierarchy, kneeling at Jesus' feet but not wanting anybody else around us. I'm going to close with this. We got to dump some things out. And I think we know that we have to. We know that there are things that we hold on to that actually make us feel bad when we come to Jesus, but we just can't let them go because they feel like safety and they feel like security and they feel like joy or the shoulds. They should feel like safety. It should feel like joy. It should feel like peace. It should feel like satisfaction. And we just keep getting stuck on the shoulds rather than the reality. That we are lonely. That we are empty. That we are actually afraid of the cost to be in relationship with our neighbor. And even with all those truths, even with all of the ways that Jesus is like, can you just let it go? Just let it go. Come on. Like, let it go and come follow me. Jesus still looks at us with love and compassion. If you've come to Jesus with one of those big questions, what will satisfy my soul? And you weren't ready for the answer the first time. Because sometimes we're not. Go back. Keep running back. Keep getting on your knees. 
so that you won't be, um, so you're asking a question from your soul and then you're letting your mind dictate your answer. But to be in the presence of Jesus and actually let your soul say yes. Because your soul knows what it needs. As we think about how we might be called to pour out, who will that draw us into deeper relationship with? Because I think that's what Jesus is saying. Don't just make it rain, unless you, the billionaire who made it into the billionaire's club, you make it rain. You'll make a lot of new friends. No. I think what Jesus is saying, give it away and get close. Give it away and replace your shoulds and your, it seems like, with actual relationship, with real people. I don't know, maybe be ready not just to kneel at the feet of Jesus, but maybe one of your neighbors too. As we think about our money stories, as we think about our church money stories, as we think about our money trauma, as we think about the call of Jesus into relationship, which is a really a demand for everything. I want us to invite us to consider what are the questions that your soul is asking? And where can your soul say yes to putting some things down that we might receive more of the actual, real abundant blessings in community that Jesus desires for us all. Would y'all pray with me? Most holy God, our Savior and Messiah Jesus, who was rich, who had all of the things and became poor, that you might be in relationship with us. You became poor so that we could get a little bit closer to you. And you invite us to follow you. You love us when we refuse to move the barriers out of the way to take the step that we know that we need to take. And you still tell us the truth about who we are called to be and right relationship with our neighbor so that we can be in right relationship with you. God, would you help us to listen to the questions of our souls? Would you help us to say yes when you offer us everything? And would you be with us, Lord, even while we grieve what feels like lost and shepherd us into the joy and fullness and abundance of your kingdom come for all. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.